good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the EPL State of Mind. I'm your host. Embrace yourselves for the world of football has been engulfed into a whirlwind of drama, including suspension, bans, point deductions, and some exciting matchups to recap. Plus, we give it we give you our insight and predictions for a great round of games this weekend. So prepared for that and much more as we delve into the EPL state of mind once again. I'm here with Sean tonight. Kyle wasn't able to make it. He's burning the midnight oil at work. I returned from work late, so we're doing this recording a little bit later than we normally do. So apologize. I apologize in advance if you get some snores and some Z's in here. But Sean, you're looking good. I think you got a new fresh haircut. Like you're we're ready to roll, man. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm uh looking forward to getting into it. Definitely some uh some good games to to recap and interested to get your thoughts on Arsenal. Oh yeah, big time. I watched that one live, meaning I watched it. You can't see my air quotes through the microphone, obviously. But I was not able to watch the game live, so I turned my phone off for the entirety of the day, went back home at 8 o'clock and watched on replay, and such a strange feeling whenever I do that. But we'll get into that later on. But as always, first and foremost, we have segment number one, which is hot news. So eventually we'll get into this because, as you all know, and I'm sure you all enjoy, or the majority, at least four of the 20 teams in the EPL are currently in the Champions League. We'll eventually get to give you guys updates once those group stages get further along, get a little bit juicier. It's still a bit early to cap that stuff off. But for segment number one, we're going to stick to our regular Premier League. And we have the first hot news of the evening, which is Sir Bobby Charlton passed away on Saturday morning at the ripe old age of 86. So, Sean, I know you know a little bit more about the the legends, the godfathers of such massive clubs. And Bobby was one of the greatest to ever be on the pitch, specifically for Manchester United and also England's national team. So why don't you take us through a little bit of the history and heritage there? Yeah, I think you summed it up well. Um, just a titan of the English game in terms of the legacy he leaves in the sport. Um, he was a part of the famous Holy Trinity or the United Trinity uh, with with Dennis Law and George Best, who was like the best player that's ever been produced on the island of Ireland. And... Uh, but yeah, Bobby Charlton, one of the you know most enduring leg- legends for Manchester United. Um, he was part of the Munich air disaster in 1958, which was a plane crash that claimed eight of his teammates' lives and the lives of 12 others. Um, and then he was also a part of the team that that you know was rebuilt literally from ashes and uh, won the first ever uh, European Cup by an English team, um, and then was a part of the 1966 World Cup English team which is the last time that England's ever won a trophy internationally. So um, you talk about that, and, and also you, you look at the testimonials of what people have to say about his character and the kind of person he was. So, um, yeah, just an absolute legend. Um, retired as Manchester United's all-time leading goal scorer with 249 goals. That was obviously since passed by Wayne Rooney, but just a complete legend in the game. So will be missed. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it, I think, to me offline here, but that that George Best documentary on 30 for 30, if anyone's looking into that, should definitely peep that. But keeping it with Bobby Charlton, I mean, I'm sure FIFA or FC, pardon me, FC24 will have some type of special card I see coming out in the future for RIP Bobby Charlton. So keep your eyes out on that. I know Dest has a good one. Best has a good one in there as well. But our thoughts and prayers go out to the Man United fans who have really watched him and the obviously the Charlton family. Our thoughts and our prayers also go out 
to Sandro Tonali, who effectively has now been removed from the English Premier League for the remainder of the season and part of next. So we talked about the Terrible Tonali last episode, and it has been almost confirmed. It's pretty much signed, stamped, and sealed that he will be suspended for 10 months for violating betting rules. So it emerged yesterday that he's expected to be hit with his 10-month ban for the breaches of Italian betting regulations. So this effectively ends the Italian season with Newcastle and also rules him out for next summer's Euros where Italy look to re retain their crown. So that is a massive blow for a player who really probably could have been a large part of that team and is looking really good underneath the white and black stripes of Newcastle. His charges include the use of illegal, illegal gambling websites and placing bets on his former team while he was still playing. So this is something that we have not really talked about before. Ivan Tony. He had over 265 breaches or something like that, but it wasn't any of the teams that he was playing on or for or during that time. So we mentioned it kind of last week, since the maximum sentence for Tally would have been three years, it was reduced because of his admission of guilt and his cooperation with investigators and willingness to engage in counseling. This is mainly because him and his agent have come out and explained that he's going through a tough time and is a gambling addict. So he's seeking therapy to address the problem, and 10 months seems about fair for someone like that. So unfortunate, uh, you know, gambling is a disease, and I can tell you firsthand that I know many people, including myself, that dabble in the arts of DraftKings or FanDuel every choose. It is a bit of a slippery slope. So for anyone out there, keep yourself in check, but make sure to always do our lock of the weeks, right? That's what we're going to advocate now during this portion of gambling. I think that's about fair. But you know, we'll see how this affects Newcastle, the depth, what they're going to do in the winter transfer market now, because obviously they have this void that they're going to have to fill, especially with the Champions League coming up. It's going to be difficult for them to balance the two two games a week, essentially. Moving on to a little bit of a more bummer uh, for some Toffee fans. You got a bit of a double blow here. Sean, what, what do we have here? Nothing good for the Blues here, but what's going on? Yeah, so uh, two things. First, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Chairman Bill Kenwright, he's been the longtime chairman of the club, basically responsible for, um, you know, day-to-day -day operations, part ownership. Uh, he's been involved with the club since 2004. He passed away yesterday. Um, and then the Premier League also has recommended a maximum 12-point reduction of, or excuse me, uh, penalty and deduction uh, for violations of their rules on profit and sustainability. Um, there's like independent commission who's reviewing it now, but um, Everton has lost about over 300 million pounds uh, over the past three years. And then um, I believe it's something like 500 million over the past five years. So it's well past the permitted amount of 105 million pounds that the Premier League set for, for those rules of profit and sustainability. Um, and if this maximum penalty was enforced, they would drop all the way to the bottom of the table with negative five points. Uh, Cause it's been a rough start for them. And, Let's just talk briefly about it. Liverpool were very, very fortunate to to get out of uh, their game against Everton with with a win, um, and without getting a sending off. Um, not not the best performance by any means, but at the same time, when you're a football terrorist like Sean Dyche and you actually don't play the game, you just <laughs> look to nick a draw, like get, nick a goal maybe in the first thirty seconds or the last thirty seconds, and that's about it. Don't create anything else. You're, you're kind of bound to lose. But, yeah, Liverpool, very fortunate. Cannot, they definitely should have been sent off. Um, but, I mean, the handball is as, as blatant as it gets. 
Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, especially when that's the first thing. And I watched the second half. I was planning on waking up to watch the full game, and then I saw what time it was when my alarm went off. I, I checked the score like halfway through the first half. It was still 0-0, then at halftime 0-0, but I saw the sending off. So I was like, okay, let me, let me tune into it for the second half. And Everton looked sharp. Everton looked good, especially with playing a man down. And, and part of me was like, how did Liverpool look better playing with nine men against Spurs than they do playing against 10 men in Everton right now. So I think you're spot on. I think it was a lucky squeak to get away there. And then obviously with negative five points possibly looming over Everton for the remainder of the season, if it happens, one, I can see almost it guaranteeing Everton to go down this season. And then two, one thing that I think everyone else can kind of get excited about is if Everton has one breach over the past three years in financial fair play and sustainability rules. The 114 or whatever Man City is looking at in the future, if it ever gets introduced or reintroduced into this, we could be really looking at some serious carnage for Man City, which could be interesting or very entertaining. But obviously that's been nothing but crickets and white noise in the background for Man City currently. So I'd be interested to see if this kind of re-jump starts the Man City investigation or at least ask some more questions that we were able to get a little bit more update to all of you. I doubt it. So I sincerely I doubt, it doubt it, well. it that the Premier League yep. is going to prosecute the team going for the first ever four-peat. It, it's just bad for the league, but it's it's so frustrating. They're basically, I, I genuinely think it's almost like when a college coach cheats like a Pete Carroll, an Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, and they leave right before all the shit hits the fan. <laughs> That's literally going to be Pep. Pep's going to leave after yeah. next season. He's going to have probably five titles or in a row in the Premier League and God knows how many Champions Leagues and yeah. and bounce. Um, Seven titles out of the last probably, what, eight years? Cause they yeah, have five yeah, there's the only last one six. from Liverpool in 20. I mean, it's just in, it's insane. They're they're unbelievable. But, um, yeah, I I would hope at some point they get, you know, get punished and held accountable for their violations. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. I think this would de- would be the death knell for Everton in the Premier League. They've stayed up on the last day, uh, two, I mean, last last day last year, and then the second to last game the year before. So they, they, they've been already riding their luck as is. I actually think I picked them to go down, but I, I it's got to be. Uh, if it's, it, if it's it, even if it's, it's nine points, points, I think it's it kills them. Yeah, I mean, they're with the negative five. I think they would be eleven points away from safety, and that's. I mean, that's just tough. And they would need wins, and they barely got any last year, and they've already reached what a quarter of the total from last year, or something like that. I mean, it's it's right. outrageous. But you know, we'll see if this is enacted anytime soon. If you're Everton, would you want this? to happen to you right now or would you want to see this towards the end of the season this point deduction uh, well, I would almost say later on because I mean yeah obviously you want to know what you're up against but you can maybe bring somebody in in January and if their agent's really bad and doesn't do research at the club that hit the, <laughs> like hit over the head with that um, but or even just the payday for the Premier like to get into the Premier League but yeah I, I, I like I said I think anything Probably more than six points would kill them. Six points they could do. Um, I think all three of the the promoted teams could could easily go down. That none of them really impressed me. Luton Town's yeah. actually out of the relegation zone as we speak. 
Yep, but only by one point. Burnley's at 18 right now with four points. So if we go to negative five, you're you're looking at it. What is that? That's a five nine point swing, yeah. for for Everton. So not not ideal. But wow. it, three wins possible. It's possible they already have two wins. So I I mean it depends. It all depends. But we kind of um, did a small review of the Liverpool uh, Everton game. A nice Mercer side derby there. So we might as well kind of segue nicely into segment number two here, which is our, you know, our weekend wrap up. And the first one we have on the list here is Chelsea versus Arsenal. And like I said before, I was out in the city doing a little day, uh, day excursion, excuse me, with one of my buddies from college. So I wasn't able to watch it. But I, uh, when I do do that, I put my phone on silence. I text you and Kyle, hey, by the way, don't ever talk to me during this time of, of day because I'm going to go home and rewatch it. And it's the strangest feeling. I rewatched it with my brother who had already watched it. So I'm looking at every single movement and, you know, facial expression that he has to try to figure out what's going to happen next. And it's a, it's a, it's almost more stressful to rewatch a replay for the first time than it is live. So I don't know how many more my heart can take of that, but I don't know how many more games I can, you know, physically take of Arsenal to begin with because of this. Chelsea took a very strong 2-0 lead, um, you know, going back and forth on whether or not they got lucky for the majority of it or really earned it. But I will come out and, and say, I'll let you kind of lead this one a little bit and I'll fill in the gaps and and you'll probably ask me my opinions. But, you know, it was a really, really good game back and forth. Um, and we came back, obviously, from being 2 nothing down to equalize very late in the game. But... I think Poch, and your note here, says he really got it right with his team selection. And part of that, to me, is his use of the 4-4-2. He kind of went away from a 4, four what does he normally do? 4-3-1. Four, four, three, three, yeah, 4-2-3-1 yeah. or 5 in the back. But with Reese James being injured, he obviously hasn't been playing his wing backs. And I'll tell you right off the bat, the most impressive players on that pitch for me immediately in that first half was Gusto. And Cucurella. Gusto and Cucurella were top-notch fullbacks in that matchup. And I think Cucurella, I don't know what he had that morning, but he was all over Saka. I think he was maybe a little bit over-aggressive at times, and I think the referee could have done a better job of uh, shepherding that because there's definitely some over-aggression there. But, hey, he played clean for the most part, and he played Saka extremely well. And it shows because Saka didn't have any any contributions of major concern until the 77th or 85th, whatever it was when Trossard put the equalizer in from a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, ball in from Saka. But I mean, you, you have it here that we were kind of thrown off a little bit by playing by Chelsea playing two up top with Gallagher and Palmer, who I've noted earlier in our, you know, season two episodes, great pickup, great pickup from Chelsea from Man City. I think that was a double, a super L on Man City and a big W for for Chelsea and they looked extremely threatening specifically Cole Palmer you know and we kind of asked who's going to be that central presence who's going to be able to possess the ball and move it around and Connor Gallagher even though he's playing up top definitely played further back and Sterling and Mudrick were playing farther up the pitch creating a lot of problems so I think that I think you definitely nailed it here that Pochettino got it right um I'm going to take this next one and then I'll send over to you because I'm going to I'm going to Eat my. I'm gonna make my cake and eat it too, or have my cake and eat it too, whatever the expression is. But you have here the best center back in the world conceded a handball in the first half, and Palmer dispatched the penalty very coolly. You're right. The best center back in the world did give up a handball. 
It it has been. I've heard everyone go through it. Buy the book. Yeah, it's a handball. And first of all, you can't ignore that one. It's got to be called. It's just out there. But it's unfortunate because if you look at a couple of the rules of handball, the proximity is so close to when Mudrick headers the ball. And then his his arms are in a semi-natural position for when he launched himself up into this space. If you look at his 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 actual momentum, he jumped before Mudrick hit the ball. The ball then hit his hand. If I'm not an Arsenal fan and I don't get that, if I'm an Arsenal fan and that happens against me and I don't get the call, I'm throwing my TV out the fifth story. <laughs> so it's very, it's very fair that this was awarded. It sucks a lot, but it is fair that it was awarded. So the center back in the world can 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 have a a, a goof off every once in a while. But you take the rest. You you did a good job filling out a lot of points, and I'll I'll pop in with my comments. Yeah, I know. I just I, I want to go back to you quickly because we we got to talk about either maybe the the most audacious chip in the history of the Premier League oh or or face cross by a guy that you've slated since the podcast started because that's when he signed for Chelsea, but Kylo Mudrick. I yep. mean, you got to be panicking when you see that second goal, and and it's Mudrik, and it's on on those terms. He chips Raya from twenty five feet out on the sideline, basically on a wing, no angle. I mean, I'm gonna come out and say it. I'm like, obviously, you guys can think what you want to think, but that was the most audacious mistake I've ever seen in my entire life. There was no way he meant to do it, and he he knows he didn't mean to do it because when he celebrated, he just calmly walked over the corner corner and gave the the Jesus Lord hands to everybody like I am the next cometh. Yeah, dude, sit down. You've had two goals. One of them was a fluke, and this one, was, the other one was I don't even remember. That's probably how terrible. Actually, it was a great strike. No, was, that was preseason. Uh, preseason was a great had, strike. He, I, think. I think his goal was a good finish too. Just paced down yeah. the wing and cut in. So, yeah, um, but it's I really it's really funny. Know. No, I I was just to say it's really funny because he plays on Ukraine with Alexander Zinchenko, yeah. and Zinchenko had a quote that literally said to Mudrik, "If you score against us on Saturday, I will chop your butt balls off." So look to the future to see if Mikhailo Mudrik has some bandages around his waist next weekend. We'll see if uh, if uh, Zinchenko follows through there. But <laughs> what's next, man? Hot oh, the seat. good stuff. Hot, wait, the good hot stuff seat for. For Mikhailo Mudrik's future kids, <laughs> very hot seat at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, what's uh, what, what? I think we got the good stuff coming up, right? I mean, uh, it, it was a great comeback from the Gunners, and you make a great point here that it seems that right around the additions of Eddie and Kedia ESR, who I was a shock, um, a shock addition of ESR, but he's been playing well the minutes that he has had, which is great because you actually brought that up. Before the Man City game, I think, uh, what was going on with ESR. So I think there's two things happening with that. One, Arsenal is either realizing that we have to play him or he's going to leave, or he's show they're showcasing him so he can leave in January, but for a much higher fee. I hope it's the the prior and not the latter, but we'll see. But keep going. What you got, my man? Yeah, no, I think um that that moment that you just highlighted, that substitution really is the the demarcation of when Chelsea kind of lost the momentum, as we said, but the double tens with Palmer and Gallagher. Gallagher's pressing is so underrated. I mean, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but he really is so effective at it. He doesn't just work hard, and he isn't just fast. He also, like, closes guys down at the right angle, makes them, you know, even if he doesn't knock the ball away, he puts them in a position for a bad pass, for a bad pass. Yeah. That's a turnover. So um, just really smart, underrated player. I thought he played really well in this game, but... Um, I uh, got to mention your boy Declan Rice with a beautiful finish. 
started <sighs> by a bad turnover by Robert Sanchez. And that brings me to one of my takeaways from this game, which is I just don't think he's at the caliber of a goalie in the top six um, or, or really just, you know, quick caliber of a player to play for a top six club. Um, there's a reason he was benched at Brighton by Deserby last year for Jason Steele. And then they brought in uh, Verbruggen in, in the off season. And I, um, I, I just don't see it. It's misplaced pass, very sloppy. He has, I think, Enzo there. But, you know, fair play to Rice. It's a beautiful finish. Um, I was underrating it at first, but watching it back, you know, he's 30 yards out, puts it past Enzo and curls it inside, the, you know, the opposite side post. So um, very impressive. Um, but the the other thing I wanted to mention is just, I think we talked about it multiple times, but Nkuku would make a major difference in this game for Chelsea. Um, I think someone that with his finishing ability just having something like that would, you know, would kill games off because there was Arsenal was there for the taking, especially right after that second goal. I think there were still some opportunities. And even even after Arsenal scored maybe the first one, um, N- Nicholas Jackson had a chance and uh, just just kind of got snatched by Raya, like trying to go around Raya and then had another chance later in the game that was saved. I think, you know, Nkunku is a much more clinical, much more powerful finisher and striker of the ball. When they get him back, you know, they might turn some of these results from draws into wins, you know, from losses to draws from last season. So I, I think Chelsea's definitely starting to turn a corner. That, absolutely. I think, and I, I kind of said it offline to my brother before the match even started, Arsenal should have won the game based off of record alone. But if you actually watch Chelsea, they are top five in all of the important stats across the league, but they just can't finish. Yep. They, they they are a team that has the ability. And once they all start firing on all cylinders, you kind of brought it up right there. And then Cuckoo comes back, or Reese James comes back. The depth of this team is going to be in question. It's going to be a concern for other teams. And, and you can see based off of this game how important depth is because depth won Arsenal a point. Yep. So absolutely. It, it, it's extremely important to realize that Chelsea is not a team to be underestimated. Uh, last year was, I think, deserved. They were throwing money at everything, had no idea, no game plan, essentially. I think they revisited it over the summer, waited for the proper coach to come in. I think Paul is doing a great job so far. And they got the, they have the, the arsenal. No pun intended. <laughs> so one, one thing I want to mention just for all of the listeners before we pop on to the Manchester City game, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it. I have heard a couple through like ESPN FC and Sky Sports and we had a similar incident in the beginning of the season with Man U versus Wolves where Onana, in the very late minutes of the game, jumps out to punch a, 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 the soccer ball away in the dying minutes to secure a victory for Man U, but completely takes out a forward in the action and doesn't touch the ball. We had a very similar situation with Sanchez in this game where he takes out not only his defender, but essentially knocks out Gabriel Jesus in the box, not even close to the ball, if you're telling me that a midfielder goes up in the air and hits somebody not even close to the ball at the halfway line, that's a foul. And to me, just because he's the goalie going up for the ball, doesn't get it, and it's in the box, that needs to be re-looked at and needs to be called. Um, what's your? I don't know if you saw that verbatim, but I personally, looking back at it, when it happened live, live I was like, why aren't they looking at this? VAR's not even taking a, a gander at it. 
I mean, to me, I think the the thing is that they give goalies the basically, you know, tie goes to the goalie. They basically had impunity to do what they want. The ball, they're entitled to go for the ball no matter what, and that's how it's spun. I definitely do understand your point. I mean, the Onana one was pretty crazy. He basically just punched the guy on the wall. I think it might have been Dawson <laughs> in the face. Um, and and this one too. But um, I, I'm I'm fine with that not being a penalty if if they consistently allow the goalies basically to, you know, do whatever they need to 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 keep the ball out of the net as long as it's obviously you know not egregious, but. Yeah, they're going to have to keep that going for the rest of the season and make some law for next season because if it happens now and they start calling that, some some questions will be asked. But no sure. questions really asked for the Manchester City-Brighton game. I believe City took an early 2 nothing lead, and uh, we finally had Holland, who I mentioned possibly worth a trading in the Fantasy League, had a, a showing, and he scored a goal. Um, but, you know, it was our boy Matoma who helped the – seagulls kind of crawl back into this a little bit make it a little bit more interesting than what do we have on this one sean take it away sure um so this was a good a good match in the first half um city scored twice in i think the first 20 minutes they really just kind of came out of the gates and controlled it from the beginning having rodri back in midfield they just looked more assured um both defensively and then also on the ball seemed a little bit to flow a bit better you had stones in midfield as well you know, him doing his thing, he's starting to get back into form. It's just, you know, the city death machine is starting to, you know, to repair itself and and get back to business after losing those three straight games. So, um, they they kind of cruise to victory. The first one is it's on R- Roberto De Zerbi for playing James Milner at right back when City has yeah. oh my god Jeremy what Doku. I mean, that's the most unfair matchup of all time. Doku just pace and ability on the ball. Rounds Milner, rounds Pascal Gross, gets the ball into the box, and uh, it uh, it get, gets to Alvarez who puts it away, and then Holland. I mean, he he just pounced on a a Baleba turnover, smashed that into the back of the net from outside the box. That's just like, yeah, he's still him. <laughs> he, he's still gonna score goals. I mean, and and something that he gets accused of is not scoring. You know, beautiful goals, all, all tap ins or rebounds or you know yeah. whatever. But that's, I mean, that's a beautiful goal outside the box. Just um, vicious finisher, just an absolute assassin. Yeah, I mean, you got You probably got to talk about, you mentioned him already because they both had the goals, but Alvarez is a monster as well. He's firing in all cylinders this season. Between him and Holland, they have 17 goal contributions. Holland has nine goals and one assist, and Alvarez has four goals and three assists. To me, we kind of talked about it offline, but you have to have these duos in double digits really supplying. And they're tied 17 with with your boy Mo Salah and Darwin Nunez. I never would have really thought that Nunez would be part of that duo, but they have 17. Salah's got seven goals, four assists. Nunez has three goals, three assists. So, I mean, to me, being in those duos, having those duos on your team is what's going to get you in the competition. Everyone else can have three, four one-offs and stuff like that, but you need guys with double-digit goal contributions, and Holland and Alvarez this year, with Kevin De Bruyne out, have been firing on it. For sure. Um, and and another duo, just just to mention them, because um, I think we need, we got to show that side of the table a little bit of love and a and, uh, little bit of a teaser we're going to have probably in the next couple of weeks, my friend Nick on, who's, who's a big Wolves fan, do a spotlight on them. But Neto and Huang Yi Chen are balling right now, too. Neto had another assist. That's his fifth, I think, on the season. He's got a goal. And uh, 
you know, Huang Hee Chan to score it again. I mean, they're just, they're really on, on this. And he got an assist as well. So, um, got to sh- show some love to the bottom of the table. That was a team we thought might be going down. Yeah, I had them as, I think, 18th or 19th place. Yeah, ridiculous. So, good good to see the Wolves coming back here. And and after being in the green for the for the summer transfer. But get, getting back to the City game, talk about Ansu Fati, huh? Yeah, second goal in the, in the last three games. This one, um, the goal was less about him and more about our boy, Matoma. I'm, and I'm upset that Kyle's not here because it was two of his boys. It was a crime on Kyle Boyle and Kyle Boy, man, because <laughs> Matoma just absolutely undressed Kyle Walker. He actually got his second public nudity charge in the city of Manchester. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm upset that Kyle's not here to defend himself about that one. But Matoma, inside, outside, back out, inside, and then, and then by him. Walker was just frozen. Hit him with that Neville Longbottom, the you know that curse that Hermione at the end of Sorcerer's Stone just <laughs> stiff as a board, and then uh, puts it into the box and and it's I think it went off a of Kanji and then Tafati, like I said, scored his second Premier League goal. Um, but that was wasn't enough for Brighton. They were already down two, and uh, as usual, City just kind of controlled the game from there um, and seemed to batten down the hatches. Uh, the one thing to mention is that Akanji got a second yellow card right at the end of this game which obviously means he'll be out this weekend against United, which is a blow. But, I mean, it's Man City. You know, we'll talk about that game in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll be fine in the back, especially with Roger. You could see how much more composed they were with him. So I think missing a kanji is obviously, like you said, a bummer, but not not the worst thing in the world. And, and a crazy stat for you, or that you noted here, that because we're talking about red cards, 23 players have been sent off this season in nine weeks. That's outrageous. I mean, I think just last week there was three red cards in the morning slots of right. last week. I mean, yeah. it was insane. Red cards were flying. So I know uh, if Kyle was on here, he'd always be like, I like seeing that. It means the guys have heart. They're playing hard. <laughs> they have heart. <laughs> so, I, you know, I like to see the boys play. I like to see the boys play. But it's true. It's true. I think the referees have some hidden agenda this year who can give out the most red cards. But... Whatever you want to talk it's about, like Austin a quota, Villa, like a cop, a cop with yeah, tickets. They gotta hit a certain number, a certain quota with penalties and red cards. Thirty exactly. all of last season, twenty three already this season. But that's um, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. No, it's wild. And speaking of wild, we got to talk about Ollie Watkins and his performance, not only in this game against West Ham this weekend in in a four one Villa drubbing of the Hammers, but. Uh, in the claret and blue derby, it's basically no. My colors are better than your colors. It's the exact yeah. same uniform, and uh, throw Burnley's <laughs> a little bit different, but they're kind of in there too. Um, but Ollie Watkins just balled out in this game. He gets an assist on on the Douglas Lee's first half goal, and then he scores a beautiful goal on his own off the break. Just comes in, uh, step overs to the left, and just smashes it near post. I mean, as as clear of an indication that a player's in form and confident you know that that's just summarizes it right there he's just been unbelievable since Unai Emery took over which was exactly a year ago yesterday he has the third most goal contributions in the Premier League only Mo Salah 35 and Erling Holland 33 have more goal contributions than his 27 in the last yeah. 32 games for for Villa so and he's, um, third, really he's third right now overall for goals and assists in this season as well. And the only other two that are higher than him, first your boy Mo, and second Erlen Holland. So 
Yeah, right. Watkins is like you said. He's we're all just living in the Watkins Wonderland. It's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. It will it'll be interesting to see him. Well, sorry, I just wanted to to ask you this. I mean, obviously, this is a ways out, but for the Euros, do you think he could play alongside Kane in a front two? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not using Eddie and Kedia anytime soon. Um, and who's their other striker up top that would be kind of rotating with? They could play Rashford Kane. there. They could. They could play Rashford there, but I think Rashford we kind of saw from Manchester United. He's better off being a far wing. So right. I think that they would probably just have. Kane like he was in Spurs but yeah I think I think in Euroland I think they could throw both of the large bodies I mean look how you for everyone forgets how large Ollie Watkins is too I mean him and Kane up top would be would be wild um as I try to see what height Ollie Watkins is and foot mod shows me 179 centimeters sorry guys I'm not doing the conversion in my head but I think it's like six foot three six foot two or something like that um but yeah I think that would be interesting to see what we what we get out of the the Euros next summer? All we know is that Tenali won't be playing in it, so we'll see we'll see where <laughs> we'll, we'll see where Watkins fits in. So yeah. great, another great game. I think West Ham is part of um, our you know weekend wrap up for next week, as well as Villa. We'll, we'll touch on them, but for now we're going to take two minutes and we're going to close out the close out the episode with the segment three look ahead, and uh, we'll be right back. So thanks everyone. Well, first of all, while that insane and entertaining music was happening, I was able to quickly do a Google search for our boy Ollie Watkins' height, and he is 5'11", so I either forgot how short he was, or I apparently think I am very tall, because I am not even that. So, Ollie Watkins, keep keep showing up for us small kings, man, and 5'11 isn't really even that small, so I must be, I, I gotta get some lifts in my shoes or something, man, it's brutal. But, <laughs> but looking ahead to this weekend's game, something that will elevate, I think, all of our expectations a little bit more. We don't have the most exciting fixtures going over the weekend, but I think one of the most exciting ones that we're going to talk about and we'll review next week, and I would love to hear Kyle's opinion on this. I'm sure he's going to like, get out of here. Manchester United can't even touch us. It is the Manchester Derby. So last year, you know, Manchester United did do a pretty solid job of bringing it to City. I believe they split points. Um, they, yes. I think they won. They won. They one won this picture at, at at Old Trafford, and they got blown out. The idea had. Yep, yep. So we have this uh, most exciting one. It's after a rough patch for Manchester United, but you know, with the help of Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay, these guys have a little bit of life in them. Obviously, I don't think Scott, excuse me, Scott McTominay and Harry Maguire are going to win a game against Manchester City, but they have definitely included them in a bit more of a revival for Manchester United. I think if Mike was Mike and Brendan Brendan were back on the podcast this year, I think they would both be a little bit pessimistic as it seemed their trend was last week. Uh, but after a Sheffield United victory two one, Mike did say that there would be three goals in the game, but I just think he said there would be three nothing to Manchester United. So it was fifty fifty on that one. But Mike, you're you were close on it. You were very close on it, my friend. Um so yeah, this is this is gonna be a bit of a, a tough game for Manchester United, especially after a very exhilarating midweek game against Copenhagen 
Uh, that was yesterday with McGuire again with that winner. And then a stoppage time penalty saved by Andre Onana, who I believe saved you from jumping off the cliff for your parlay that he had. So pretty solid performance from Onana. Um, it's nice to see him get a win every once in a while, especially when it's not against a Premier League team. So we'll see how he does over here. He definitely was one of the best goalies in the, the Champions League last year. So maybe he's just a Champions League performer. But right now, what what are your thoughts and feelings about the Derby? Yeah, I think um, obviously form goes out the window in a Derby and, and having the, the home of Old Trafford behind you is going to be big for United. And I think... Having both, you know, w- winning at the during the week um, in, in the Champions League in such a dramatic fashion, and then also winning, you know, the previous two games, the fans should show up. It should be a good atmosphere, and that could definitely help. I think the big thing is whoever can get a goal early and uh, specifically first is going to dictate the pace of the game and how it's played. Um, you know, if it's United, obviously that'll get the crowd really going and, and mm-hmm. ramp it up. And then for City, they if they score first. It'll shut the crowd up and, and quiet them a little bit, and then City can kind of just play their game as as they intend to, which is you know bore the living hell out of all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, agreed. And you know, there's some good news on the Manchester United fr- uh, front where Regulon, Casemiro, Varane, they're all going to be most likely available to start this game. So it will be a tough choice for Eric Ten Hag. I think it should be an easy choice for Eric Ten Hag, but it might be a difficult one. I'd be interested to see who he puts in that back line going against Man City based off of recent performances. I think you should expect a good game from Hoyland. I think he's going to be living up to the hype and he's going to need to play an extreme factor in this game, especially since, you know, he's being compared to Holland, not necessarily because of his abilities, but his potential. I think that's name. very Yeah, and his name. And his blonde hair. His name. And his blonde hair and being Dutch. The whole entire Neither the, of them are Dutch. No, Damn it, James over there. <laughs> Danish and Norwegian, whatever you, what do you call Nordic. all those? Nordic. 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 Thank you. Nordic. Very, uh, very Viking-esque. So thank you. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think Man City takes a win 2 nothing on this. I don't think Man U scores against the defense of Man City. I think Man City plays a very defensive-minded and will just take a, a take a, their opportunities when they get it like they normally do. So I think this one goes to Man City. I would love to see a Man United win here, especially since they're so far down the table. Like you said before, Manchester United do have a better home record than they're away right now. They have three wins and two losses at home. Meanwhile, they have two wins and two losses away, obviously. Not the end of the world, but we'll see what they what they can come, come away with here. Another yeah. team, that, yeah. Anything else to add there? Or you want to move on to Chelsea Brentford? I just want to mention briefly. Obviously, having guys that play the position is going to help. Having Regulon back there, <laughs> and I just you mentioned it, but you didn't, uh, or you alluded to it, but you didn't mention who it was. Who would you start as a center back uh, for this game if you're if you're Ten Hag? Uh, I would do the duo of Varane for sure. Mm-hmm. And let's see, who did they start in the last one? They started Maguire and Evans. I would do Varane and Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. And until Martinez is fully fit, I think Maguire can can be a band-aid, especially in his current form. And why not get him a little bit more showtime? Maybe West Ham will come around again in the winter and, and up their, you know, their proposal form. Maybe that's what Manchester United was waiting for. But um we'll we'll see. Maybe they can make a sale. 
I don't think so. But uh, Chelsea versus Brentford. So Chelsea, can they rally off of an unfortunate, I'll call it dropped two points against Arsenal, but are currently in very good form. No midweek fixtures for them. So it's not a concern. So they're going to be fully rostered, essentially. Uh, Reese James is kind of coming back into form, possibly making another cameo. I would hate to see them revert back to a five in the back or a three in the back, but the four in the middle, however you want to call it. Um, but I really think that this could be an exciting game. It's another London Derby because there's, what, seven of them in the league now. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's one of the most notable matches up matchups. I mean, Chelsea looks to go unbeaten for their fifth straight match, which would be their longest unbeaten run in the league since October of last season, which is kind of impressive to say. And then Brentford have won both visits to Sanford Bridge since they achieved promotion in the Prem in 2021. So, I mean, this could be a good game, and, and the Bees absolutely slaughtered Crystal Palace over the weekend, right? I think it was Burnley. You know, Burnley. They slaughtered Burnley. So Newcastle slaughtered uh, Palace. Uh, Palace. So I think this could be a very entertaining game and and could be one to see if Chelsea's actually going to be as inconsistent as they were last year. So look for a little bit, hopefully look for a little consistency from Chelsea on this. For for me, and I don't know about you, I mean, we just played them and we took away a, a point. You haven't played them yet, but I'm kind of banking on teams like Chelsea, Manchester United, Newcastle, and West Ham to play a bit of an underdog and really show up against like the big team names. Like I'm sure you would root for Chelsea to take points away from Arsenal as much as I would root for Chelsea to take points away from Liverpool and Manchester Which, City. I mean, we need to see this team do do better. So for the for the sake of the league, but um, we'll we'll see what comes out of this one. You have a prediction for the Chelsea Brentford game? Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Chelsea to win. Um, but I, I could be proven wrong. The guy for Brentford to highlight is Brian Embuemo, who we talked about all the way back in the preview, saying he had he was good last year, but he had to step up and become the main man for for Brentford to kind of you know take a step forward or at least not you know fall back and and regress yeah. into the relegation zone area. And he has he's been great. Um, scored a banger this week against Burnley and and also assisted in my lock of the week and and uh, well obviously gets yours in in a, in a few moments here, but. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously Palmer on the other side is the guy to watch right now for Chelsea. See, see where he's deployed and you know, how he can do in this game, but he's, he's looked really, really confident and good on the ball. He's long and lanky. So very good player. Um, I, I think, you know, in Buemo and Palmer, the two, the two names to watch for sure. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think Chelsea takes this one just because as much as inconsistent, Chelsea has shown Brentford, unfortunately, have not been consistent either, and they've 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 picked up more L's. They've been close games, but they've they've picked up the L's. And I just think that Chelsea's in a better spot right now. As far as we kind of talked about them before, because Brentford beat them over the weekend three nil, great showing. But Bournemouth versus Burnley at Vitality Stadium, this is the battle of the two of the worst sides in the league, 18th place versus 19th place. This is kind of a maybe foreshadowing event to see the two possible teams for demotion or relegation rather going at each other. So what do you think about Bournemouth versus Burnley? Obviously not as entertaining, but it does carry weight. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be important and have relegation, you know, implications at the end of the season. Bournemouth still looking for their first win in the Premier League this year. And and I think this is, if they're going to have one, it's got to be now. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. then then you start dropping points and it's it starts getting scary the panic buttons hit but they do have you know 
a parachute in terms of their owners willing to invest. He only came in last year. They're profitable in the previous three. So he can go and, and spend a lot of money to keep them up kind of like he did last year because um, they mm -hmm. look like they were destined for relegation and then made a lot of signings in January that, you know, helped stabilize them and keep them up. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But um, I, I think that they're, they're, they're starting to get healthy and, and Burnley's just terrible defensively. Um, I, actually, they both are. <laughs> the, the league is <laughs> defensive league for Bournemouth and Burnley's, the, I think, the 18th. In in terms of goals conceded, but they have only scored six goals. I'm going to take Bournemouth only because they're at home. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, this this you know reflecting on it when we come to to May first, this this game is going to matter. Um, you know, especially if one team's able to pull out a, a W. Yeah, I mean Burnley is only one better better goals against than Sheffield United, who is just absolutely atrocious. Right. So. I mean, they have one. They have zero points as well, um, or one point rather. Sheffield United. They have zero wins as well. But I, I, based off of Bournemouth's performance last year, they kind of were late bloomers, like you said. So you know, if I'm a if I'm a cherry, I'm not overly concerned. I'm close to the panic button, but hopefully you pick up three points here. Which takes us to the wrap up week. Lock of the week for me. Sean, congratulations. You are now one and two after getting your first win with the Bees, stopping of Burnley. So that's uh, had you buzzing, I'm sure, over the weekend. <laughs> so I'm hoping to do you one better. I believe I am one and one right now, so I'm hoping to go two and one. And I'm going to juice it up because Kyle's not here. I'm going to do a little uh, EPL State of Mind parlay. I'm going to do something fun here. One, okay. I'm going to pick West Ham because they are totally disrespected right now. They are still plus odds. They're 110 against, and I forget who they're against, but they're playing. Everton. Who are they? Everton. Everton. That's right. We were just talking about that. They're playing Everton, and they're being very disrespected right now. I think you're probably right because they do have uh, Europa coming up tomorrow, so they has a short turnaround for them but I still think that they'll be able to pull through with a victory over a very struggling, struggling Everton who now has this point deduction looming over their heads. And I believe West Ham's also home. So I don't know why that would not help them out more than it should. But the other half of the parlay, a team that tends to win after a loss is Newcastle. Um, they did have an early injury from Isaac in the Champions League play today around the 15th minute, which is a little bit of a concern. But you have Calum Wilson up there. You have a lot of attacking prowess that can help you out. So I'm not overly concerned about that. And to be honest with you, they're right now, they're looking at, I'll give you the odds for them too in one second. They are doo -doo -doo -doo, against Wolves. It is home for Wolves, but they are minus 130 Newcastle. And I just don't think Wolves have it in them right now with how they're performing. If their main guys, you noted with Neto, don't perform, they have nothing. And I think Newcastle, if they're firing all similars, this could be a 3 nothing, 3-1 win for them. So I'm parlaying the both of those games together. And hopefully I'll go 2-1. and one. But that's all I got. Any little tidbits of information that we should be looking out for, Sean? Yeah, I think uh, both those are definitely fair. Um, just wanted to uh, to say 
Uh, we did play Chelsea, by the way. We we drew them. That was the very first game of the season. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Zero zero. It was zero yeah, zero. Yeah, one one. It was a one one, and both one, teams one. had goals chopped off or offside. So, um, yeah. Listen, they they've started okay. They let's they're not all the way back yet. I think that this weekend's a good a good barometer. So it's something to keep an eye on. And obviously, the Manchester Derby is the the real one to look out for as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely get Kyle's input on that on the return. Hopefully. It's uh, I have a prediction for that game. I think Manchester is going to win. So I think Whoa. we can. <laughs> That's just such a bad dad joke. Terrible way to end it. Fair enough. But uh, like we said, make sure you guys keep up with the Champions League at the same time. That's going on right now. We're essentially exactly halfway through the group stages after today. So now we get the reverse fixtures coming up. Very exciting things to make sure that everyone can get into the first position of their group stage to hopefully get on the better side of the bracket. But we shall see, and we shall see how we do with predictions this week and our must-watch games. Until then, thank you for joining the EPL State of Mind again, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good night.